Welcome, this is New Taku, where we talk things anime and manga. We're not experts or gatekeepers, we're just fans trying to share our love with you. Feel free to interact with us on Instagram and Twitter at NewTakuCast, or email us questions and requests at NewTaku2019 at gmail.com. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitchers, and Stitchers, and the Spotify's. And please subscribe and share us. I'm Jim. And I'm Franks. Welcome backs. <laughs> I'm glad to be backs. So uh, we uh, took a week off. You feeling recharged? I'm feeling recharged. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling. I'm feeling great. You know, I'm feeling positive about life, which is, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta do that. You need a little recharge. Just masturbate. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I mean, you get that initial endorphin rush. I mean, if you do it, I guess, often enough, then, yeah, it's just, like, a continuous endorphin rush. I mean, then you're good. Every hour on the hour, like a cuckoo clock. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm, I I don't feel like I needed to know that, but I, I guess I'm glad that, that you're taking care of yourself. I, I'm just giving my own personal medical advice. I am not a doctor, but it's my advice. So, uh, Frank, uh, it's been a couple of weeks. How were your weeks? My weeks have been pretty good. Uh, you know, had a little bit of a recharge, was playing some stuff, was watching some stuff. Um, I started watching this show called Kim's Convenience on Netflix, which is one of these shows that uh, I guess the algorithm thought I would like, and they were correct. It's this, like, little kind of Canadian sitcom about a Korean family who runs a convenience store and kind of like it deals with the sort of things that come with that an immigrant family running running a business and um, you know it's humorous it's funny but it doesn't in such a way that I was kind of shocked like it plays with the expectations of where you think things are gonna go so for instance like the first episode and this is really kind of what hooked me um, they have, you know, the the father, he's like an older Korean man who came over from South Korea and started this. And he uh, he kind of gets into this argument with these um, with these people who had come in about how he didn't want to put up this gay pride uh, like banner or whatever. And he didn't want to put it up because it just looked bad. Not that he was like. He was anti, anti, you know, uh, gay or anything like that, and you think it's going to go one way, but it actually turns out to go another way. I don't really want to spoil it if anyone checks out the, the pilot episode, but um, I thought that it was going to be, you know, a little offensive and, and things like that, and it, it just totally goes in a, in a different direction and uh, respectful to a lot of different things, and I really enjoy it. I, I recommend it. It's a quick little watch. You know, it's like 20 minutes. It's, it's uh, really good. There's a quick review about Kim's Convenience that went on a little longer than I thought. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been watching that. I'm almost done season one, and it's uh, it's really good. And I've been playing uh, Tropico 6, which is, uh, if you don't know, it's a it's kind of like a um, sim, like Sim City, but instead you are a dictator and you run an island. And uh, I, I, I enjoy that series. It's a lot of fun. It's a good distraction. So those are my two things that I've been doing. Those are the things that I recommend. Uh, check those things out. But there's my there's my soapbox right there. Now I'm going to pass off my soapbox and give it to you, Jim. 
questions about Tropico 6. What is this available on? Because this has me written all over it. I tend to be a bit uh, Napoleonic and dick, small man with a loud voice. Uh, Frank, give me a little details on Tropico 6, please. Sure, yeah. Um, it is on, like, every platform. So I, I played it on PlayStation. I think originally it's, like, it's basically a port from the PC. Like, most SimCity, you know, S games, I think it probably works best with a mouse and things like that. Um, but the PlayStation 1, once you get used to, like, the controls, it's not that bad. I played 5, you know, two or three years ago when that one came out on PlayStation. And it's one of those things where the first couple hours is you just kind of getting used to the mechanics and, like, holding L1 and pressing, like, square in order to pop up this thing. And then after you figure it out, it's just, like, boom, 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 boom. And it's cool because you can, like, you can decide what sort of leader you want to be where, you know, the game likes to kind of poke fun at um, different types of, like, you know, governments and things like that. So you can do whatever. You can side with the rebels. You can be you know, a straight-up dictator, you know, a banana republic sort of thing. You can do a democracy, communism. Like, it, it's kind of, they all have their pros and cons in the game, I guess in real life, too. Uh, you know, and so, like, you get certain benefits depending upon which sort of path you follow, and it's uh, it's fun. It's, it's, it's one of those games where I feel like you go into it and you start playing, and then you realize four hours has gone by, and you're like, wait, I just thought it was only, like, 30 minutes. So it's good. I recommend it. You would like it, it and it, it, I think it's fairly cheap. It's a newer game. Years ago, I would go to my cousin's house and had Civilization 2 and I, I on PC, mm-hmm. and I would play it until the sun came up. I'd be like, oh, shit, eight hours went by. Dude. So I'm hoping this is like this. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, definitely give it the shot. It definitely has the civilization vibes where it's like that is it is very much like that. It's like one more turn. I'm just gonna do this one, build this one thing, and then I'm gonna be done. But oh wait, I have to build this thing over here too. And uh, oh well, I might as well work on this. Yeah, it's 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 uh, very easy to get distracted. But um, how 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 have your weeks been? So much stuff to talk about. So I started watching how heavy. Are the dumbbells you lift? It's very funny, very etchy, and very body shaming, especially early on. Hibiki, the main character, isn't even that chubby. You know, I put that in quotes. Her diet is terrible. So the lead up to her actually working out is pretty mean. But once she gets in the gym and the gags and the etchy humor start, it gets very funny. And uh, Akemi, the. Uh, student council president's like her friend that's the other sidekick she belongs to the same gym they become buddies and Akemi was like is like obsessed with her own muscles and other muscled men's and in one scene she sees these guys working out and she gets a Yandere face you know what Yandere is Frank? no what is that? Yandere is like a trope in anime it's when uh, a character is in love with another character but their love turns into obsession often leading to violence so it's like, uh, if you think of the Future Diary or Mirai Nikki, you know Gasai's face is like the ideal Yandere face. So at one point, <laughs> and at one point, so she sees these muscle guys, and she uh, makes this Yandere face, and um, she legit says, oh my god, I think I just came. And I fucking lost my ass. Man, it is funny shit. I uh, I would not recommend watching it with, with kids though. Like the etchy is funny. 
it's not it's not over the top and you know pervy. It's really good. Okay, so not watch around kids, but it is it is one that you can feel comfortable uh, watching. And if your roommate or your significant other walks in, you're not like, oh no, it's not what you think. It's not what you think I'm doing. It's <laughs> drugs. I'm doing drugs. <laughs> I also started. I'm very, very rarely am I excited about live action shows, uh, but one that I was waiting to come out was The Great that showed up on Hulu. Mm-hmm. So I started that. I'm five episodes in already. Uh, it came out on Saturday, today being Monday. Came out on Saturday. It stars Ellie Fanning uh, and uh, Nicholas Holt, and it's created by Tony McNamara, who is the guy that wrote the screenplay for The Favorite. Did you see The Favorite? I did not know. 2018 film. It's about a. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into it, but it's like a dark comedy. Uh, it is one of my favorite films of 2018. Do you remember who won the Academy Award in 2018? Oh, uh, 2018. No, I do not. Who won? It, it was the Green Book. Do you remember the Green Book? V- vaguely, yeah. Terrible film. Yeah. It's like. It's like. It's like. Uh, I don't know. It's a white guy driving around a black guy who's very rich in the 50s, African-American, white, you know, security guard for this guy. He was, I believe, I forget. He's a musician of some sort. It's a really bad film. But uh, it, the, my two favorite movies uh, of that year were The Favorite and Sorry to Bother You. Did you see Sorry to Bother You? I did see Sorry to Bother You, yes. I love that movie. That movie was so good. But anyway, back to the great. It's not a true story, but it's based on the story of Catherine the Great and uh, her uh, taking over Russia, becoming like the longest-running female monarch in Russia. It's, I love it so far. I highly recommend it. I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm five episodes in. Which is high praise coming from you, because for those of you who do not remember or we haven't talked about it in a while, you are a big history buff. I'm what you call a buff. It's it's very loosely based in history. Like at one point they're drinking Moscow mules. Moscow mules were made in like the 30s in New York. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not very accurate. Let's call it that. Sure. But it's very fun. I mean, they say right at the beginning it says it's the it's kind of based on the true story. But it's it's really good. It's a lot of fun and it's dark and it's violent and definitely not for kids. Again. I'll have to so I'll have Frank, to check it out. Ahead, what is it? Is it a uh, is it like an hour long sort of deal or? Yeah, 50 minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's an hour hour long episodes. I believe there's 10 in the season. Like I said, I'm five. I'm halfway through already. I start on Saturday. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty good. And if you listen to our last recording, what two weeks ago? I have finished season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right. What did What did you think? Because if I recall correctly, season two is when it really starts to kind of uh, kind of pick up. Okay. So I'm gonna dive in. I don't want to spoil too much, even though it is a 25 year old show. So Angel bangs Buffy, but his soul and is but he has a soul, and he's suffering. But the soul was put into him by a gypsy curse, and by him having sex with. Buffy, it's been exercised. So he turns into like bro frat guy angel, like sociopath. He's being like, yeah, whatever, babe, like just sex, whatever, man. So Xander and Cordelia start making out, which blew my mind. I was like, this is ridiculous. So Seth Green is in the show, 
as of season two, and he's a werewolf drummer named Oz. Yes. He, yeah, go ahead. You want to? You can add points at any, no. at any time. Just stop me. It's funny because with the yeah Seth Green, I guess now you know because like you said, the show is is twenty five years old. Like in my head, Seth Green is or has is and always has been Oz. So whenever I see him doing other things, or you know, most notably, I think most people who would listen to us would probably be familiar with, which is him doing stuff for Robot Chicken. Um, it, it, it's just funny because yeah, in my head, he will always be either a werewolf or that one dude um, in that like '90s horror movie about the the hand. What is it, Devil's? Plaything or something. Uh, the Devil's Plaything. Yeah. Yeah. Idle hands. Devil's Plaything. Was it Idle hand? Idle hands or was it the Devil Play? It, it might play have been. I I don't recall. I think it's something like that. Idle hands. I don't know. It doesn't. It, 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 that's how he has always been for me, though. Go on. All right. So, speaking of Seth Green, um, I think his family is well. I mean, his mother lives in Philadelphia. His mother lives in Queen Village in Center City, Philadelphia. And you know how you can tell who Seth Green's mom is, Frank? How can you tell? Two reasons. She walks around like a small Shih Tzu that's pink. Also, she always wears a robot chicken t-shirt. Chicken t-shirt. Ah, that's kind of cool, though. So his, his mom's proud of him. Yeah. So anyway, back to the show. Back to the show. So he and Willow are starting to hit it off. And next to Willow, Willow's a small person. And Seth Green is a very, very tiny person. He is tiny. Okay, so Cordelia at some point, a quote that I got from Cordelia at some point, she says, that's what I get for showing concern for sick people. They take advantage of you. So Cordy is a COVID-19 denier. Spike, Spike's in a wheelchair because he got, was crushed. Spike is this vampire dude. He's like this uh, uh, rockabilly vampire, I'll call him that. Uh, he gets, he's in a wheelchair. He gets crushed by an organ during a ceremony. We get the hyped-up anointed one, but he gets punked out in episode one of season two. And then we meet Kendra. Kendra is a woman of color, Frank. There are no women of color on this fucking show. There's no people of color in general, unless they're bad guys. But she has a terrible accent, Frank. It's horrible, which caused me to do some research. Her accent kind of sounds like a combination of, like, Irish, like, Gold Coast African and Jamaican. I don't know what the fuck it was, but I was just like, what is with this woman's accent? So I look into it. The actress, her name was Bianca Lawson, or is Bianca Lawson. She's not dead. <laughs> uh, was hired for the part without an accent, right? They gave her the old, oh, well, why don't you try on this Jamaican accent? She said she couldn't do one. They had her do it anyway. Therefore, as I ex guessed throughout this whole process, the accent Kendra has is a result of systemic racism in Hollywood. I rest my case. <laughs> Get the gavel out. Boom, boom. Yes. Okay, so I'm done season two. I did start season three. I'm actually halfway through, but I'll talk about that next week. Uh, here's my Buffy power rankings for season two. You ready? Sure. At the top. We've got Cordelia. I can't see how Cordelia could get worse. She's amazing. She's a terrible human being, consistent character. Number two, Drusilla, with her the evil vampire queen lady with her really thin limbs, and they're like, I'm sick. She's got some kind of anemia besides vampire. She has anemia on top of vampirism. Kendra, 
Worst accent in the world. Then I got Giles, Willow, and Buffy. They make up the middle. Oz, who I can't can't at this point I can't really get heads or tails of. He does have good one-liners. Jenny Callender, who just basically betrays everybody. Angel, who was already like mopey emo kid, is now bro sex man. And of course, in tenth place, the sociopath Xander, who is now making out with my favorite character Cordelia, which is blowing blowing my mind. I don't like it. I'm currently halfway through season two, which, in honest, uh, honestly, it ain't great. Season or halfway through season three, which I got to be honest, is not good, man. It, it ain't good. But we'll talk about that next week. All right. So with you being through one, two, and halfway through three, where do you rank season two? Well, compared to season three, which is garbage, it's the best. So far, season two is the best best season I've watched. Okay. All right. I'm into it. I'm I'm really really curious to see if Xander ever comes up from uh, the last rank. From being a chump? No, he's still a chump. I have a feeling he won't. All right, so I've got some news, Frank. We've got lots of news because it's been two weeks since we last spoke. And the huge news for me in the last two weeks is that Viz Media has announced Rumiko Takahashi's classic Inuyasha is getting an anime spinoff this fall. Frank, do you have any good memories of Inuyasha? Are you a fan of Inuyasha? Well, my memories of Inuyasha consist of being aware of it be via like Cartoon Network, like the classic late night sort of late nineties, early two thousands replays at like one AM. But I never got into it. Uh, I've seen a few episodes here and there. I am curious to see if this is going to be a continuation of the old thing or if they're doing something new or what's going on with that. Well uh, you're lucky because I have a synopsis. Ooh. It's called Yasha Hime, Princess Half Demon. The daughters of Sesumaru, Sesumaru, and Inuyasha. Sesumaru is Inuyasha's brother. Do you remember him? No, I do not. Okay. You don't know anything about the show. I understand. Okay. So it's uh, it's the daughters of Sesumaru and Inuyasha. They set on a journey transcending time. In feudal Japan, half-demon twins Toa and Setsuna are separated from each other during a forest fire. While desperately seeking for her younger sister, Toa wanders into a mysterious tunnel that sends her into present-day Japan, where she is found and raised by Kagome Higurashi's brother, Sota, and his family. Do you remember those two, at least? Oh, vaguely. It's okay. I am not judging. You are 100% judging. I send you these notes. I'm hoping you'll do a little research, but it's okay. So ten years later, the tunnel that connects the two eras has reopened, allowing, allowing Toa to be reunited with Setsuna, who is now a demon slayer working for Kohaku. He's another guy in the show. Uh, but, Toa, but to Toa's shock, Setsuna appears to have lost all memories of her older sister. So there you go. They're going to travel around. So we got the we got the uh, daughters of Inuyasha and his brother going between feudal Japan and modern-day Japan. Eh. So it's basically the same premise as before, but now we have new people. Now, if I recall correctly, you are a fan of, of the original show, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Very much so. Like like you said, it was uh, it was the Toonami. It was on Toonami, so that's how I got into it. 
So this was was this something that you had gotten into, I guess, as it was airing, or more like you had went back and watched it because everybody was like, "Hey, this is really good." No, I guess as it was airing in the United States, I was watching That's it. Cool. Yeah, so it's pretty exciting uh, for I guess for people a little bit older, like my age, it's probably pretty exciting for us. But if I highly recommend it, it's a great story, uh, a classic shonen. You got your your. You know, modern day, you got a guy from, and a demon from the past in modern day Tokyo and a girl from modern day Tokyo living in feudal Japan. It's fun. It's a good little story. Lots of characters and stuff like that. It's fun. I, Frank, yeah. BNA. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that I feel like we're starting to kind of see a resurgence of some of these sort of classic uh, shows, or at least shows that people that have like a pretty good fan base like i feel like that had happened you know they're talking about with bleach is the first one that pops up in my head i'm like curious to see if this is going to be like a trend where we're starting to go back a little bit because it it's happened in other mediums you know where they're like hey we're revisiting this thing nostalgia and all that so i'm interested to see if like some of this stuff holds up you know what i mean or at least the newer product meets the expectation that people have because it's such a uh I feel like it's a hard thing, especially if it has a special place in people's hearts, because you want more of this stuff, but at the same time, you don't want it to tamper the relationship that you have with the older product. I have to, I have a belief, I believe that these companies that are bringing these, this stuff back, uh, we'll, we'll say like Sailor Moon, for example, because there's a new Sailor Moon coming back, aren't really after the people that already liked it before. They already got their money. I think they're after people that are younger, get them hooked on a new cycle of it. I, I don't think it really, unlike, I know the, the big one that everybody goes back to is Star Wars, how they keep putting out more Star Wars, and it's a good example. Uh, I think that, they, that these Japanese manga companies are more, and anime companies are more into hooking the youth, younger people so they can get them to buy toys and merchandise. And they already have the adults' money. Ah, that's a fair point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then you get the the added benefit, whereas if they like the new thing that's popping up, say this new Inuyasha series, then you you go back and you're like, oh okay. And then you know everybody gets paid. Everybody's got their hand up. Right. It's it's a good it's a good philosophy. Uh, you already have the older fans. Go for the younger ones. More Jar Jar Binks. Less uh, Emperor Palpatine, please. <laughs> I said it. I put it out there. All right. Uh... Kiss my ass. <laughs> All right. All right, let's move on. Um, BNA, remember we talked about this brand new animal? It's the Netflix Studio Trigger show. Yep, the one the last we had talked, uh, it did not have a release date. It does in the United States. The streaming date is June 30th, just in time for the middle of summer season. So we'll have to give that a watch. Perfect. It, you know what? It's, it's going hand in hand with the classic Netflix uh, formula where they decide you know what, we're just going to randomly throw it out, and then for our purposes, it uh, it throws a wrench in everything. But I'm I'm, I'm so interested in it that I'm fine with that. It's really going to throw a wrench for us this season because of shows that are getting delayed. So I don't... I mean, I can only think of one off the top... Well, two, two including myself. Well, we'll talk about them in a second. Actually, there's a couple that are being pushed back for, you know, indeterminate amount of time, so... We might, we might have our, our uh, plate loaded when it comes summertime. But maybe it'll make it easier to cut cut off some of these shows. All right, next up. 
We got a coming soon video for season three of Thunderbolt Fantasy. More sword fighting puppets, Frank. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, <laughs> you are a big fan of the first, the first two. I, I do recall that. Are you going to even attempt to get caught up on it, or it's okay if you don't? I'll just cover. You'll it. just well, okay. Let me ask you this, and I yes. will determine based off of your answer. How many uh, how many episodes are there for each season? Is it like something that has you know a lot, or what are we what are we talking about here? Do you know offhand? Uh, it's it's your basic anime core of twelve okay. episodes, I believe. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, I will. I might get. I might get caught up. I think what I might do is, is uh, it might be one of those things where if I get caught up, then um, you have to watch something that I don't want to watch. That's fine. I'm probably gonna end up doing it anyway. All right. <clears throat> All right, you ready? COVID nineteen delays. I figured we'd start with some good news because we always start with these COVID nineteen delays. So. Now let's do the delays. There are many. I'll just list the ones that we have covered or will cover. And this list is compi compiled, so it's going to include stuff that we already talked about in the previous list, including a couple weeks ago. So, series. Here we go. Extra Olympia Kilt Close, the show I told you to check out. Half animation, half puppet, half claymation. It's delayed until June 22nd. Did you go and check any of this out, Frank? I did not, know, But the if it's <clears throat> delayed, so I'm guessing now it's getting pushed back to to summer, right? June 22nd. Yeah, okay. We talked about The Promised Neverland, 2021's winner. We've talked about that. Millionaire Detective, Balance Unlimited, a show we picked for spring. It's going to resume in July. Apari Ranman, we don't know when that's coming back. Dire of our, of our Days at Breakwater, my fish show, my fish girl show. We don't have a date on that. No Guns Life, Core 2. Frank, did you ever dive back into the No Guns Life? No, I actually finished the uh, the first core, and then I, I have not touched the newer stuff. Delayed. And, and the most heartbreaking one. They're going to replay the first five episodes. Gal and Dino, Frank, is delayed. My heart is broken that this show, we will never, we might never see it because it's got live action bits. So if it's like, if it's delayed, that's half the show. And I know from, you know, I know a couple people who are involved in kind of uh, television works and stuff like that. Like, it's no surprise that a lot of that live action stuff is, is uh, nobody knows when that is going to pop up. So out of everything that I feel like that show might just be, might be donezo for a little bit. Wah, wah. 2021. I mean, I predict 2021. They're allowed to work again together. But then that'll be great because then it'll, it, maybe it'll sync up. So every time we have to watch a little bit about uh, Christmas, we'll be like, wow, okay, it's Christmas again. The last episode was New Year's. That's Christmas, and that's New Year's, and that's New Year's, and that's Christmas, <laughs> and that's a dinosaur, and that's a girl. And there you go. There's your show. All right, some films. Whisker Away. It's a Netflix film by, uh, written by. Oh, Maidens in Your Savage season author Mario Kata. That's been pushed back to June 18th. It's going to stream. We talked about Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. Delayed. The Given film. Delayed. 
the Violent Evergarden film, delayed, and most importantly, Butt Detective. Frank, are you familiar with Butt Detective? I think we've talked about Butt Detective before, yeah. It's also, Here's a it's synopsis. also been delayed, don't tell me. Here's a synopsis. A polite and meticulous super sleuth known as the Butt Detective solves a myriad of baffling mysteries, blowing raspberries in the face of crime. <laughs> his head, right, his head is a giant peachy butt. They're all delayed. Wow. I guess I'm curious to see if we get any of these, like the... <laughs> The movies make sense. A lot of them, I know, you know, are already kind of done. I, I would be interested to see if any of them pop up in a sort of video-on-demand way, as we're seeing with some of the kind of live-action Hollywood movies that are sort of seeing if it's worth it or not. Because, um, I, I mean, I get it. Like, you want to delay it, like, you know, there's tons of countries that the theaters aren't even open. So it's like, what are you... How would you even release it if you wanted to? But... Um, for anime in general, it, it would be, I think, of an interesting experience, especially for you know someone like in the U.S. like us. We don't get a lot of these as they come out. No, I think I, of all of them, I think the only one we would get would be the Evangelion one when it comes out. But that's that's a and the list was big. There was a bunch of stuff that was didn't seem like it would come out in the United States. So I don't know. I I did see a. Uh, if you were to, if you were to, in a theater, if you were to follow social distancing and space everybody properly, you would every theater would fill up about ten percent of their seats. So that's, it's like why even open? You know what I mean? That's like a that's like a, ba- a bad, a bad Monday showing of a TV, of a movie. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We might be saying goodbye to theater viewing for a long time. Yeah, that's like a, so that's an interesting point with like theaters in general. Do you personally see like a situation where we just more or less go to this sort of video on demand like you see with I think Friday Scoob came out and they did it with like uh, a, I think a Trolls movie or whatever the hell that one movie was. Trolls 2? Tro- Trolls 3? Trolls, yeah, Trolls Trolls 2, I think. Whatever. That, that children's movie with the little fucking trolls and they're... And then Justin Timberlake's, like, doing the song and everybody's happy and... Yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but yeah, sure. <laughs> well, they released it. It made a lot of money. And then I know that the uh, AMC, the movie theater, got, like, really mad at Universal for doing it. But I feel like that floodgate has now been opened and I'm really, really curious... Just as you know, a fan of kind of entertainment and Hollywood in particular, to see if that's the sort of thing where we get a situation where they decide, hey, you know what, we're just gonna check this out and maybe we release Wonder Woman out, you know, to your cable box or what have you, and you have to spend twenty dollars, and then, yeah, that might be it for for theaters. It's curious because it would make the availability of like digital bootlegs a lot easier than having to watch a handheld bootleg on like some kind of stream. So how much money would they end up losing by not having that almost security of there is no digital version of this. It's only in the theater if you really want to see it. Or you can watch some guy videotaping it from, you know what I mean, from the middle aisle. I'm curious what the profit loss on something like that is. 
I guess you would charge more for the digital version. Right. So I think like you would probably charge a little bit more. Like I don't think it would be like ten dollars. It would probably be I would think like a pay per view esque event where maybe you charge like thirty or forty, and then that would kind of offset it because then at the same time they're not getting the movie theaters involved. So I'm like I would think that any sort of loss they get from some sort of piracy may be off balance by the fact that there's no longer much of a middleman. Right. I mean, the theaters only make only make money off the concessions anyway, so like, they're not making any money. It's a fair point. That is true. Yeah. I don't know. It's something to think about. It's a lot of this stuff. We don't know what to do. COVID. It's a fun time to be alive. All right, next up, let's change the, let's change the topic. <clears throat> let's talk about more COVID news. So we talked about the comic market, a.k.a. Comicat, before. Do I you remember? I remember, yes. Okay, the comic market committee is teamed up or teamed up with Nico Nico, which is a streaming service, and they had virtual the virtual Air Comicette event. It ran over last weekend, two weekends ago, from May 1st to May 5th. So it's a virtual event to replace the physical Comic Market 98 or Comicette, which is a doujinshi convention. Doujinshi being homemade comics, comics made uh, by individuals, not by companies. So. Um, Ahead, yeah, this is so. This is a cool idea, I think, on paper that I know like a lot of people have kind of been experimenting with, or at least saying. Um, for this one in particular, I think it's a great idea, especially you know you're pushing independent artists and they're getting out there. But I, I always wonder, like, are the type of people to go to conventions the same type to you know, log into YouTube or Twitch or whatever, however it works, and experience it that way? And then, if not, are you also, are you getting a whole kind of other group of people who don't necessarily go to conventions for whatever reason, but they're actually coming online and saying, hey, this is kind of cool. Like, I'm curious how this works out for people and, you know, these events. I know they did. They did. They had a cosplay and they had everything. Uh, I have a subscription to Nico Nico for women's pro wrestling, but uh, I did not. I did not log in for Air Comic App. I'm sorry. No, I mean that's fair. So that that kind of is, is is interesting though because that's something that is you know up your up your alley. But then so that kind of you know if we're just taking you, you didn't really push you to to. To do it, even though I'm sure you already had the service, so it was essentially, I, I'm guessing, free. You didn't have to pay anything more on top of that. Well, for an uh, you know English speaker, Nico Nico is not the easiest to navigate. I mean, you can get around it, but I don't know. I, I I'm not a big convention guy, so I don't like crowds. I'm not a big crowd guy. I think this would actually speak more to me than it would, if, like sitting on Nico Nico and watching people. Co- no, no, that doesn't speak to me either. <laughs> Well, I'm not you know, at, at least right. at least they're trying. You got to try new, these new things to see what works and what doesn't. Uh, Funimation is announced. Funimation Con. It's a very original name. Good for them. All right, here we go. And and quote: We've always wanted our very own convention. Now it's time, and it'll be better than we imagined, because the entire thing will be virtual. That's right. No more long lines in the heat. No more overpriced hotel food. And best of all, you're 100% in control of everything you smell. Lots of jokes in there. 
First of all, hotel food? What the fuck? <laughs> Y'all are eating in your hotel? What the fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah, better than you imagined, too. Oh, Hold okay, on, go ahead. No, that's all right. Let me go ahead. Go ahead. Make yeah, your, make well, your like better than you imagine. I, I don't. I, for me personally, I don't think you know online stuff surpasses the physical aspect of conventions. But you know, whatever. That's no. kind of a, a moot point, I guess. <laughs> I want to see girls in skin tight froppy gear. That's what I want to see. I mean, that's all there is to it. But I want to see it in person. I can do it on the internet anytime. Right. But overpriced. I, I'm still stuck on the hotel food. What are the? I remember a story. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm sure maybe some of our listeners remember this. Uh, Frank, do you remember when the NFL draft was in Philadelphia? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I remember. Four, three, right. four years yeah, ago, something like that. recently. Yeah, so there was a guy. He was a writer for some major periodical. I'll call it periodical. I don't know if it was a website or whatever. He was staying at a hotel. And he was complaining that the food in Philadelphia sucked. The only thing close to him was the subway. And then everybody roasted this guy because he was uh, diagonal across the street from one of the biggest meccas of food in the country, in the world, Reading Terminal. And this idiot was going to subway. That's pretty bad. Are they, is this... Are these the same idiots that are eating hotel food? I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Because if you're if you're eating the hotel room, you probably don't understand that you could very simply uh, Google something on your phone and put food near me and realize that you have a pretty well-known market about you know two steps away from from your hotel. Oh shit, Denix is next door. I don't have to go. Like what the? <laughs> anyway. So this, then this is a quote from Funimation. This is the pinnacle of anime conventions. Oh yeah, and it's free. Get ready for Friday and Saturday, July third and fourth, for a two-day streaming event of your anime dreams. And here's the breakdown of all the stuff you can expect: industry panels, voice actor live reads, voice actor Q and A, cosplay meetups, cosplay contests, and more will be announced. So, Frank, are you excited to log on to the Funimation Con? Uh, no, not at all. In fact, the, it sounds like very, very cringy. I'd rather go eat hotel food. <laughs> yes, me, me and you both. All right, Frank, Let's before we dive into this next article, I found this one interesting. Um, can you define to our listeners and to me and to whoever would be interested what a site aggregator is. I'm going to grab a cup of coffee while sure. you describe it. Yeah, so a site aggregator is essentially a website that comes together and takes all of the scores of things, traditionally movies, and kind of combines them so that you can easily consume a score. So, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is probably the best example of this where they take both professional reviewers and, you know, I guess fan user reviewers and then takes them all together and averages them out and says, hey, this this movie or this thing is hot. And these people agree these and these people do not. And you can, you know, usually review review other people's reviews. Um, it's, you know, in this day and age, it's just a really easy way to. I guess just click on one thing and say, "Hey, here's a percentage, here's a number, and then that's my opinion of it." 
Excellent. Well done. Great job. Thanks. All right. So here's our news item. Anime director Tatsuki reported on Twitter. He's known for, I think, Kimono Friends is the show he did. He reported on Twitter on Wednesday that he has filed a police report due to threats that began in April. He noted that the perpetrator has been threatening several others besides him, and he plans to reveal the details in the future. Tatsuki said that some aggregators on other sites are currently misrepresenting him or clients as the perpetrator in order to gain traffic. The director is seeking the immediate removal of the post in question, as well as posted corrections with apologies. When Tatsuki filed his police report, he discussed the maliciousness of these aggregator sites with the authorities and said that a criminal investigation is possible. If the situation with the relevant sites does not improve, Tatsuki will continue consulting with police. Tatsuki added that he's denouncing aggregator sites that ridicule or defame his, quote, sincere people. And a quote from him, it's been my impression that anti-social pride from mudslinging against the industry has been on the rise for some time, but lately the very real harm of these instigations is becoming less of a laughing matter. Frank, what do you think of that one? Wait, so he basically called the cops on Rotten Tomatoes because people were saying that they he, like they don't like things? Is that, like, what I'm getting from this? Well, he says threatened, so they were saying mean things, I think. Yeah, I guess it, it, it depends in what context. Like, it's one thing if you're saying, like, something like, oh, you know, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to beat you up and, you know, all these kind of... That's a little different, but if they're saying, like, hey, I don't like this thing because of I just think it's stupid, which is, you know, sometimes the way it goes and in the user user reviews, I think that's a, that's a little ridiculous. Now, he, he mentioned that other people were being threatened, so this ties into the next one. Voice actress Yui Ishikawa's talent agency, Mitt Management, announced on her Twitter account on Tuesday that they have filed a police report regarding threats against the voice actress. He mentions, Tatsuki mentions this, this uh, instance. The announcement stated that malicious posts have continued since April, threatening harm to Ishikawa herself, her family, and her agency. The agency is staying in contact with illegal advisors and police as an investigation gets underway. The announcement also apologized to fans, which is a strange thing that that only female uh, performers, it seems like in Japan, have to apologize to their fans when other people are threatening them. Uh, Anyway, Ishikawa, we know her because she did uh, Attack on Titans, Misa Ackerman. She does the voice of Violet Evergarden. She does uh, Hanukkah, uh, Hanukkah on Smile Down the Runway. And she worked in Kimono Friends with Tatsuki. So I'm assuming these two articles tie together. So the aggregator sites are also, I, I, it's a strange thing here. Yeah, so I mean, I, that makes a, a, so that opens things up a little bit more where, so I'm guessing when people are posting reviews, they're like, not take like they're just attacking these individuals which is definitely a little bit different especially when it becomes to like specifics and things like that you know um that's something that i guess that they would have to look into and start i guess internally policing more because that that just seems ridiculous i don't really uh, i'm not somebody who does that so i can't even get in the kind of mindset to like 
attack anyone, let alone, like, creatives who do things because for the love of it or what have you, you know what I mean? Could you imagine being so up, upset with a property that you would attack the people that work on it? Like, I mean, I always bring up Star Wars as an example of shitty fan bases, but the girl that played Rose, where people f attacked her physically, like, her physical looks and everything like that, racially they attacked her. Could you imagine being that angry about a fantasy fucking world? No, I can't at all. And, like, you know, we review stuff all the time on this podcast. And the thing is, even if I don't like the product personally and whatever we are reviewing, I'm definitely not like, hey, the creator of this, the director of this, uh, they need to die because this thing is so bad. Like, I'm just like, hey, man, this is not good. It wasn't for me. I don't like it. And then I move on with my life. I don't know why that's so hard for people to do. My advice at the beginning of the podcast, masturbate, man. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Yeah. Everything leaves yeah. you like a cuckoo exactly. clock. That's why you got to do it once every hour. Yes, until it's raw. And then apply some balm. Start over the next day. Our last new item, news item. And Frank, I didn't put this on our list because it's the biggest news item for our podcast. It's something that I know you're going to be very excited about. Katakawa announced on Monday that Yoko Tamatsu's Mayonaka no Occult Kumuin in English. Frank, want to guess what that is? Oh, if I had to guess, Occult Civil Servants? Close. Midnight Occult Civil Servants. <laughs> She forgot the midnight. What if they're a Newton well, Moon civil servant? What well, if they're that was what I was servants? thinking is that maybe it's going to be a spinoff where they do it, they do it at the door. Yeah, at noon. Well, anyway, Midnight Assault Civil Servants is inspiring a stage play adaptation that will run at Tokyo Shinjuku Face Event Hall from October 29th to November 7th. Frank, have you booked your flight I yet? I mean, I feel like we have to at this point. If we were ever going to if we were going to travel to Japan together and do a whole uh, series of episodes, I feel like this this is the time. This is fate saying, "Jim, me and you need to go. We got to get those face masks. We got to go." People unfamiliar, the Midnight Occult Civil Servants or Mox Award is given out every season and at the end of the year for the most mediocre of mediocre Mediocre. Mediocre of anime. In our opinion, of course. Based on Midnight Cult Civil Servants, the anime series. So there you go. I don't think we'll be going. Nah, nah, I don't, I don't think so. I think you're right. Alright, Frank. So, two weeks ago, I sat down and I watched the show. And you just finished it, correct? Yes, that is correct. The show we're going to talk about is Ghost in the Shell, SAC 2045. Season 1, streaming on Netflix. There's 12 episodes. The studio's production IG, who did Haikyuu and Psychopaths and Solid Digital Arts, who did Netflix Ultraman. We'll get to that. The source, it's based on the 80s Ghost in the Shell manga by Masamune Shiro. It's directed by Keiji Kamiyawa, who did uh, Ghost, the Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex and Ultraman. And Shinji Aramaki, who do 2004's Appleseed and also Ultraman. So these guys worked together before on Ultraman. Legion's Mecha Police Psychological Sci-Fi. And here we go. Your synopsis. 
in the year 2045, as per the title, after an economic disaster known as the simultaneous global default, which destroyed the value of all forms of paper and electronic currency, the big four nations, in quotation marks, of the world are engaged in a state of never-ending sustainable war to keep the economy going. In this world, Motoko, Bato, and other members of Public Security Section 9 have sold themselves out as mercenaries under the group Ghost, using, a cy- using their cybernetic enhancements to battle and battle experience to earn a living while diffusing hotspots across the globe. However, the emergence of post-humans and a conspiracy uncovered by former Chief Aramaki forced PSS-9 to reunite. Real quick, character designs were done by Russian-born artist Ilya Kuvshinov. And the show is completely 3D CGI. Frank, your impressions of Ghost in the Shell. Sure. SAC, 2045. It's a long name. Let me finish it first. (laughs) So, you know, I'm coming off of just watching the movie. Or, I guess, you know, we watched it like two weeks ago. And you can go back and listen to our review of that. Spoiler alert, I really enjoyed it. So I'm going into this thinking, hey, you know what? I enjoyed the movie, this show, right up my alley. Great, I know exactly what's going on. Turns out, I do not know exactly what's going on. And I found the plot to be uh, a bit convoluted. And I found it to be confusing at times. For one thing... Um, I don't really know if I recommend going into this show having just watched the movie because there definitely seems to be a gap. Um, I was confused sometimes at certain character interactions um, because I just didn't really have the relationship that seems to have been built up over other you know um, shows and things like that. They introduce. So this is all from me. They introduce seemingly these these little like robot spider guys that are. Or they I guess they have personalities, which I was a little confused by. I did end up liking them because I thought that they were kind of cute and um, I liked how they were very like kind of childlike, despite the fact that they were kind of these uh, seemed like machines of war. They had like missiles and stuff like that. That was kind of cool. Um, I definitely have a new love and appreciation for Bato, which I didn't necessarily feel one way or another towards him when it came to the movie. I thought he had, like, a cool design, but, um, this show kind of, uh, actually put me on him, so to speak, where I was like, oh, okay, Bato's, like, kind of a cool, cool dude. Uh, I like his vibe. And I thought that the CGI wasn't bad, but at times I had, I, I struggled with it. Um, where with like the mouse and things like that, like they would do, they would block shots in such a way that they wouldn't show people kind of talking, which makes sense because the CGI often would just be like, it would open up a little bit and then people's voices would come out. It just didn't match up. And I know that's a little bit nitpicky when it comes to animation, because obviously, you know, I understand it's very difficult to do, but it was enough to like distract me, which was the first time. That's, that sort of thing has happened in a while. And I guess to combat that, they block the shots a certain way, and they introduce this whole kind of, like, internal communication thing, which they've had, you know, so they can talk kind of mind-to-mind almost, which kind of uh, alleviated that issue. Um, 
it's definitely not the most like viewer friendly show especially like i said if you're just coming off of having watched the movie there's some kind of like jarring episodes where they have these sort of one-off ones which i thought was strange because so they have the whole this the way the story works is it's almost done in sort of like a uh the TV show 24 where kind of one episode goes immediately into another and I do appreciate when they do things like that when it's specifically for Netflix with kind of the the uh, mentality in mind that people may be binging this so it's unique and I think it's a good opportunity to utilize that it makes sense uh, for you to do that but then they have these one-off episodes like this they have this one episode with Bato and you have Bato's day off where he just goes and gets somehow um, he gets mixed up in this like bank robbery with these older people and it's just like I, I mean I guess it, it put like I said it put me on him it, it kind of fleshed out his character a little bit but it seemed a little uneven with everything else um, action scenes were okay uh, but you know they, they were kind of they got a little um, repetitive it seemed to happen almost every episode which I didn't think was entirely necessary um yeah i mean it was yeah it was a it was a it was a show that i watched and having come out of it a lot i watched the last two episodes yesterday um the plot was was not good jim it was not good i was i wasn't super into it um i'm curious to hear your thoughts Well, did you notice the viewer discretion warning said fear? Very scary, Frank. It was a scary show. Fear was one of the viewer discretion warnings. All right, so we have a bunch of, like, goofy characters. So we got Patrick Huge. First of all, let's talk about all the non-Japanese characters' names. So all the U.S. names were pretty silly. We had Smith, Huge, Tate, and Hearts. So we got our Steve Jobs guy. His name is Patrick Hughes. And before we even dive, before we even dive into any of this, the animation. All right, what's with the hair? What's with the facial animation? And what is with the weird stationary background people? I had this problem with Ultraman as well. What the fuck are the people in the background standing around doing? Are they waiting for invisible buses to show up? They're just standing on street corners, just hanging out. The environments look pretty cool, pretty cool though, throughout. Uh, at one point, there was a, there was some serious detail on the door handle where I was like, whoa, look at that. Why did they screw up the hair so bad? And if they're going to make that, they're going to put that much time into the door handle. Uh, the OP and the ED are pretty awesome, including the visuals. Uh, did this age Kusanagi down? Because she was a cybernetic child at the end of the film. Did she somehow age like a human and now has a teenager's body? Or is this the artist's design? That's kind of a rhetorical question. Uh, the John Smith guy was a pretty sweet uh, Matrix reference, even though he sucked. Um, so, okay, I don't want to ruin, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't watched yet. But if you're listening to this at this point, you probably have watched. So, one of the big reveals of the show is that humans may be evolving into post-humans due to a cyber-human web combination thing. So Delta Force uh, has a U.S. sergeant named Gary Hartz. Like I said, their names are very silly. In custody, they gets a super brain and has a fever. So they go through this backstory, which ends with him coldly and methodically shooting his wife 
in their head. Then they quickly segue to these, like, the baby voice think tanks that you talked about, those robots, in this, like, jokey scene. I I don't know. It was a really bad segue. They're like, (laughs) the man just blew his wife's head off. I, I don't know. There's a standalone episode which you had mentioned where Bato gets his day off in Fukuoka and he starts and he helps these old people get revenge on the shady bank manager. That was pretty good actually. Um, and Prime Minister Tate, another uh, another uh, U.S. white guy name. How many times was he denied a handshake in this show? Yeah, I guess a number of times. So that's like a interesting note. Is that supposed to be something where like I guess like handshakes aren't as prevalent with you know um with the group so that they don't they don't go for it i don't know well i mean in japan a handshake's considered like a it's a big deal you know it's it's still a big deal to shake somebody's hand uh i just it was three times he was denied i counted i was like damn man nobody wants to shake this motherfucker he's the prime minister for christ's sake nobody wants to shake shit i would shake trump's hand i hate that son of a bitch I would shake his hand. He's fucking president. Yeah, you get into these awkward situations where you're just like, oh, oh, okay, we're going, we're going for the handshake. All right, and uh, okay. And they're like, I will not shake your hand until the job is done. I will not shake your hand until it's like, what the fuck? Okay. Uh, Japan is the puppet of the U.S. I know. Yes, that's an ongoing theme in this stuff. Uh, I liked Otomo Industries, and uh, as like a nod to Katsuhiro Otomo, the creator of Akira. And they left us on, like, a huge cliffhanger with, like, really no explanation that we were going to get a cliffhanger, which was kind of fucked up. That was, so, yeah, I definitely have that down, where it was one of those things, they did it in such a way that I thought that I was, I was missing an episode. Like, I literally went this morning as I was typing up my notes, and I went to go double-check to make sure that, um, you know, Netflix didn't mess up and just, like, bring me to the next episode. It's such a jarring ending that I have no idea, like, if there was some sort of idea to, like, release these and there's more episodes, or, like, what the hell is going on, because it just kind of, it just ends, and um, I, I, I couldn't even tell you why. They announced a season two. I'm going to check now. To uh, go to see. To I'm go sorry, off go of your point, though, with the OP and ED, I will say that that is probably, for me, one of the highlights of this show. Like, the OP in particular, I was, like, super into. I think it's. Uh, it, it's oh, so yeah, it's good. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, they definitely did, uh, did a good job on both those things. And the visuals were great, too. My problem is that with it's it's two distinct so it's two cores so it's twelve and twelve, it's not a situation like sometimes we get well like a twenty four episode season we'll release in Japan and we'll only get one half and then we'll get the second half. I don't know if that has to do with voiceover or whatever they're doing. Uh, Netflix has suspended voiceovers anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, I I don't they didn't nothing was nothing was wrapped up. They left everything open. We didn't get a single answer to anything. So I watched 12 episodes. They left me on a big cliffhanger. And then there's no, like, uh, next season or a preview or anything. They just basically left all these doors open with not a single answer. The only answer we got was Bateau's storyline, which was the strange standalone, which I enjoyed. 
but when you only have 12 episodes, why are you putting a standalone in the middle of it? I, I don't know. Right, that's like a great point, and that's like, uh, it's definitely a fault of Netflix, because they've done it before, especially with anime, where instead of calling it season one, they call it part one. So if you got right. part two, like then it, it would make at least a little bit more sense. So if it just ended and it just, instead of saying season one, it said part one, I would be like, oh, okay, so part two is going to come out at some point. This makes sense. But we don't really get any closure on anything. And it just kind of leaves you wondering, like, what exactly did I watch? Because you have no idea that there's a second half to this. Like, it's a little little ridiculous that they, they did that in that fashion. Yeah, calling it season one implies closure. There was no closure of anything. No, there, there, there was not. And then because of that, so if we are to take this as, uh, you know, one season, one unit of storytelling, I mean, it, it kind of fails in a number of ways. There's no, there's no closure. At the very least, like I understand that you don't need to close off all the storylines because you have another part coming in, but you have to give some sort of closure. It felt like it was an accident when it just ended. Like, that's how I took it, where I thought that I messed up, or, like, Netflix messed up. And that's that's terrible for a story, you know what I mean? Give me one answer. That's all I wanted was one answer. You don't have to answer all the questions. It's okay to leave them open. Give me one single reason that I should have watched the entire 12 episodes. Because I got nothing. Frank, do you have anything else to add for Ghost in the Shell, SAC, 2045? No, I do not. Besides the fact that the, the ending definitely made it so that it, it didn't do its job. It doesn't make me want to, I guess, quote-unquote, watch season two. Because I don't even know if I would get closure if I watched that. So, Yeah. All right, so your new Taku ranking for season one of Ghost in the Shell, SAC, to 2045. What would you give I it? I would give it a not good. I was, uh, I was not okay. into it. I was Go not ahead. into it, I think, from a story standpoint. And often, you know, oftentimes I was confused by what was going on. Any sort of closure that I would have gotten traditionally from, like, you know, season one, I wasn't given at all, which doesn't help uh, anything, really. And, um, you know, the, it just wasn't for me. I was, I was kind of disappointed. Maybe it was because I went from kind of the highest high cause I really enjoyed the movie and, um, it kind of sits up there for me and it just seemed like a, like a steep drop. So maybe my expectations were a little too high going in. That could be understandable, but, um, yeah, I just did not think it was good. I will also agree and say not good. The CG animation is not great. The faces and hair are fucked up. And all the male characters' posture scream neck and shoulder pain. There's the weird background characters standing around doing nothing, which I mentioned. It was the same in Ultraman. And I expect it going forward with all of these solar arts shows, because it seems like they're the perpetrator of this. The world, the music, the cliffhanger. I mean, the world, the music, and the cliffhanger... I guess we're enough for me to want to watch a 13th episode, but we didn't get one. Uh, one plus is that Kusanagi is still an asexual super babe. I don't care how they design her. She's awesome. Will I watch season two? Sure. I don't think I'm going to get any answers. I'm going to watch season two of Ultraman too, but this might be one that I might be watching by myself and not for the podcast. Uh, I will say that, you know, you said that you were anticipating after watching the film 
If you remember when we were talking about our first impressions of the upcoming show for spring, the one that I said that I was least looking for, the one that I thought would disappoint me the most, would be the show. And it fit right into that disappointment level. It was not good. Anything else to add, and, uh, Frank? No, that's it. Uh, you know, uh, it's a shame. I had high hopes, but uh, here we are, Jim. Yeah, now we're fucking COVID. We're not going Stupid. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining us this week. Once again, please share us with your friends and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NewTakuCast. Send us questions and show requests. Our email is newtaku2019 at gmail.com. We'll talk about all of them on the air. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify, and please subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. And Gabate. Gabate.